Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology Podcast, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian Christian faith. Mm. I'm Robert Kane, and I'm Rick Grumlick. What up, homie? We're here. We're talking about what are we talking about? The problem of evil. Light topic. Yeah. So today we get into some light, light uh, theology. The problem of evil. Why there is evil. If there, God is good, how can evil exist? Big question. Um, man, can't can't we just all be better? We have to really deal with this. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're gonna wrestle with this. Um, a lot of information. Lots of good links. Please um, enjoy the episode. Um, stick with us through this. It's difficult. It's good. Enjoy. Here we go, round two of preferably five. <laughs> so for listeners, we, uh, we, we maybe we said this in the last episode, I don't know if we did or we not. We did not. But we We're are trying, to, keep it a secret, trying but... to record five episodes in one day. Because we have done this since, I think, 2018 maybe. Really? When we were sitting in your garage. I remember that. And we recorded like a... Uh, Was that 2018? I think so. Hot diggity, man. Yeah, I know. We need to do this more. I know, it's good to we see be, you. We might be wiped by the end of it. But Wait, didn't we do something in my basement too, though? Yeah, we've done like a couple marathon series, yeah. like recording sessions. Um, the reason we're doing this is because Rob and I, are our lives are changing. I have another kid. Uh, Rob will soon have another child as well. I mean, his wife will give birth to it, but it'll be his, <laughs> um, we think. And so... <laughs> Um, so, so we're excited about that, but with that, like it's it's just added pressure, time constraints. And so like finding, (laughs) we're finding that what happens is it gets to like Tuesday night, Tuesday night, (laughs) we're burnt out. Our wives need us. And we're like, sorry, we have to go like rush this recording, go to bed late, wake up and like do this all over again. So we're going to try to do some batches. Um, we're excited about podcast we're excited about some ideas we have kind of in the hopper mm-hmm. marinating um that's actually not what you do in a hopper but we're excited about those things but what we're doing now is we're sitting down we're gonna process some episodes i'm trying to think when this one will, will drop this I, one will drop towards know. the end of july so i'm just gonna say it we are taking august off yes we are we're gonna take a little sabbatical a little sabbat a little sabbat rest um Recharge our batteries, mm-hmm. store our our souls, and um, hit it again in September. So there won't be any episodes dropping in August. Forewarning, just so you know, um, it's Rob's fault if you want to blame someone. But <laughs> it's always Rob's fault. We're excited. Just, That's right. Just keep it at that. You're <laughs> safe. If you have that. any questions, it's Rob's fault. Yeah. No, but just giving you guys a, a little heads up on that. But we are excited to be here today. Uh, glad you're listening, tuning in. Today's topic is a pretty light one, um, just kind of standard theological issues, entry level, almost like nursery rhyme-ish yeah. level theology. Yeah, definitely. So, um, no, that's not how I would couch it. This is the problem of evil, and this is a doozy. So Rob threw this out, hey, let's, let's talk about the problem of evil, and I'm like, great, that's an easy one. Um, but here we are. <laughs> Talking about the problem of evil. Um, this is what happens why is when it, you try to 
put a lot of episodes together in one. Yeah. You start thinking like, what are some things that we haven't touched on? And then you start getting deeper. It's like, whoa. Into like tougher topics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, let's just talk about the problem of evil. Let's try it, huh? <laughs> we can wrap that in 20 minutes, right? Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> no big deal. Um, yeah. Why is it a problem, Rob? What are, we, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. The problem of evil. So as Christians, we believe that God is an all-knowing, mm-hmm. all-powerful, and all-loving God. Yeah. He's sovereign over all things. Exactly. Um, and, and we're even in the Calvinist camp where we'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, he's sovereign over all things. Like, and we say all, we mean all. Right. So the argument typically goes something like this. One, if God is all-knowing, then he knows what evil is. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's premise one. Two, if God is all good, then he himself is not evil, and he would prevent evil if he could. Right. Premise two. Premise three, if God is all powerful, then he can prevent evil. Mm-hmm. And now here's where the problem comes in. Problem four, or premise four. Evil exists. Mm-hmm. So therefore... Either one, God is not all-knowing, so he doesn't actually know what evil is, or two, God is not all-good, because there's evil in the world, and he's all-powerful and all-knowing, or three, he's not all-powerful, so he might know what evil is, he might be good, but he's not all-powerful, he can't prevent it from coming into the world, or some combination of those. Right. And so that, that's kind of how the argument goes. People say, okay, you say you believe in an all-knowing God, so he must know what evil is. An all-powerful God, so he must be able to prevent evil. And an all-loving God, so of course he would want an all-loving, all-good, he would want to prevent evil if he could. And you're saying he can, and he knows what it is, so why is there evil in the world? Yes. That's the yes. argument. This is the problem. Why does evil exist? If God, I mean, we've heard it so many times, if God's good, then why is there evil? If God's all-powerful, why did why does this child die of cancer, right? Yeah. Um, and... I don't know where you're going, but I'll just interject. People Please. with an Arminian um, theology, they would say, well, there, there's evil because God had to give people free choice, right? Yeah, free, free will to choose. Because that's how true love is. Right. You would choose God, which is good, or you'd choose self or the world or something else, which is which is evil, kind of, essentially. We would say, ah, I don't think so. Pump them brakes. Slow up. Because we don't, we don't believe in that free, our, our soteriology, our, our theology of salvation would not say, okay, you're free to choose between good and evil. Yeah. Um, so to, to hash that out, if you want to dig more on that, we talk about comp, or comp, not complementarianism, um, combat, compatibilism, if I can yes. talk, my goodness, compatibilism. Talk, talk. It's an earlier episode. Um, just go to our website, simpletheology.org, type in compatibilism. Yes. And you'll find it. Check that out. But because we believe that that we don't believe in the free will argument, it does create a little bit more of a tension for us as Calvinists, in our, um, as Reformed people in our soteriology, with how do we answer the problem of evil. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things uh, is that we would say ev- uh, evil requires good. So there is one before the other. It's not this like yin and yang thing going on. It's not this battle equal powers right yeah it's not that right so what is it so yeah so we would so in in the same way to use an illustration use it in the same way if you're out in your yard and you see a a shadow of a tree Mm -hmm. in order for that shadow to exist two other things had to exist the Mm -hmm. tree and then light yes and so in the same way in order for evil to exist as a shadow Mm -hmm. 
there needs to be good and then there needs to be someone who sets that standard. Yes. So the the response is typically, um, if there is evil, then there must be a moral law or a standard. Mm-hmm. And if there is a moral law, then there must be a lawgiver. Right. If there's no lawgiver, then there is no moral law. If there's no moral law, then there is no good. If there's no good, then there is no evil and you have no argument. That's right. kind of how Ravi Zacharias would, yes. would argue that. And, and we even see, so someone might say, well, why are you arbitrarily putting the moral law before saying that that has to exist before evil? So, right. like, why can't evil exist? And then if you don't do evil, then the moral law exists. Right. So why does the why is the tree, so to speak? Yeah. So so d- d- distinguish the the elements of of the illustration. So the shadow is evil. Yeah, the tree evil. is the law. Is, yep. In the sun, the, the, the light is the the, the, the lawgiver, law God, the moral lawgiver. Yep. Yes. So so why is the law? Why is goodness before evil? Mm-hmm. Because that, that's that's the point. Is that in order for evil to exist, goodness must exist. Yes. Not vice versa. Right. So to your point of them being equal powers, you can't say in order for good to exist, evil must exist, because that's just not the case. Because we right. see in Genesis 1, before there was the fall, mm-hmm. God created and he said, it is good. Yes. And he said at the end of it, it was very good. Right. And so right. there was clearly goodness before the fall, where sin entered the world with humanity. And so... Good comes before evil, and good can exist without evil, but evil cannot exist without good. And so if there is evil, if you're saying God can't exist because there's evil in the world, or the gods you claim exist can't exist because there's evil in the world, then you have to go through that progression. And so where does it break down? You have to ask yourself, where do I think it breaks down? Because Mm -hmm. if you think that this God does not exist, then where do you get the standard for good? Right. And if there is no standard of good, then there's no evil. How do you yeah. how do you justify something as evil? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've heard people make that argument and and, and be kind of they're not won over to Christianity, but it, as um, Greg Coco would say, you put a rock in their shoe, right? So yeah. it's this idea of like prompting them to question. And the question would be like, you say there's no like moral lawgiver, but is this like evil atrocity? Name the evil atrocity. Is that evil? Oh, absolutely. Well, like, based on what? Like, yeah. what standard? Why right? is that evil? And then, where did, where's the good come from? So he's, same thing, he's com- contrasting, like, if this, if you're going to say this is evil, and you are, because we'll say the Holocaust is evil, yeah. um, you know, hum- murder. human sex trafficking, yeah. murder, all these, like, all the, you know, one in six women are molested, hmm. statistically, like, that's yeah. an evil thing. Yeah. So if we're going to look at that and say, that's evil. Well, you have to be able to look at something else and say, well, that's good, inherently, morally pure and good. Yeah. Because it, unless you're willing to do the latter, you can't do the former. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a great way to kind of prompt people to think more about being consistent in their logic. Yep. Now, Desiring God, they have an article that, that's called Confronting the Problems of People. Mm-hmm. And they have a, I'm going to read this. Yeah. Because it's, it's what we believe, but it's a difficult thing to say. Yeah. Because, because when someone's suffering, and, and we've said this before, that when someone's suffering, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean this is the time to share what I'm getting ready to read. Yeah. We know that God uses all things. Um, however, sometimes the truth spoken at the wrong time can be harmful. Yeah. So um, what I'm getting ready to read is not, is not what we recommend that you just say to someone who's suffering, but we preach 
the truth to ourselves in the light so that when we are in times of darkness, we can call back on those things. Yes. So when we think about the problem of evil, we would recognize that God does use all things, Romans 8, 28, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So quick qualifier, he doesn't use all things for the good of of those who are not his people, mm-hmm. because ultimately it leads to their damnation. But he does use, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're united with Christ through faith, then he will use everything in your life for your ultimate good. Um, Tim Keller has said, and I think he was quoting somebody else, that anything God gives you is because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Anything he withholds from you is is not necessary. Mm. And um, there's the phrase that, if if you knew all the things that God knew, then you would ask for everything that he puts you through. Mm. Yeah. So you may wonder, why, why do I suffer with this disease? Why are we going through financial tumult? Why, are, why did I get let go from my job? Why fill in the blank? Yeah. Ultimately, if we knew everything that God knew, we would ask for the same thing. But let me get to this quote. So God uses all things to bring about a greater good than otherwise would have been accomplished. And so we see, here's the quote, this all things includes the fall of sparrows, as seen in Matthew 10, 29, the rolling of dice, Proverbs 16, 33, the slaughter of his people, Psalm 44, 11, the decisions of kings, Proverbs 21, 1, the, fail, the failing of sight, Exodus 4:11, the sickness of children, 2 Samuel 12:15, the loss and gain of money, 1 Samuel 2:7, the suffering of saints, 1 Peter 4:19, the completion of travel plans, James 4:15, the persecution of Christians, Hebrews 12:4-7, the repentance of souls, 2 Timothy 2:25, the gift of faith Philippians 129, the pursuit of holiness, Philippians 3, 12 through 13, the growth of believers, Hebrews 6, 3, the giving of life and the taking in death, 1 Samuel 2, 6, and the crucifixion of his son, Acts 4, 27 through 28. Ultimately, all things, good, bad, ugly, and horrific, are ordained, guided, and governed by the creator and sustainer of the universe. That's great. There's a lot there, and I think we'll have a link to that yeah, um, yeah, article we'll link to it in, the in the show notes, notes for sure. But I love how it just walks through and says, listen, let me let me kind of canvas all, all what all things could mean. Yeah. And then let it's me a show heavy list. throughout God's redemptive history how he uses these things. Um, for very specific reasons, for our good and our sanctification, and for his glory. Um, yeah. And he's gracious to do that for us. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, just just because we can't think in that moment as to how God would use a particular situation to bring about a greater good does not yeah. mean that he couldn't do it. He's yeah. God. There's a billion things that he's yeah. doing right now, yeah. and we might recognize 10 of them. And I believe in glory. We're going to see all that... The, uh, mosaic, if you will, yeah. of, of God's sovereignty, working all things for our good. Um, and it's just going to be amazing. I, I think of George Mueller, who um, 
you know, after his second wife passed away. His first wife had some complications. I can't remember how she passed, but she died, remarried, got into a long marriage. Then his second wife died, and he he was writing in um about how when that happened, like he was satisfied with God. I think about that term, satisfied with God, mm-hmm. and he points to to Romans eight twenty eight and I think Psalm eighty four eleven. And it's this belief, if God is for me, and he's good and sovereign, and I'm walking with his way, so I'm not walking in sin and rebellion, I'm walking with God, then whatever he allows into my life is for my good. Yeah. So thank you, Lord. I'm satisfied with you. Now, he also believes his wife is in glory, and she is she's happy, she's complete. If she had the option, she would never come back, mm, right? Yeah. Even if it was like, hey, you can go back and be with your husband and family. She'd be like, no, I'm not. And that's the same for all of us. Yeah. If I died right now, as hard as that would be on me and my family, my kids, if given the choice, I wouldn't come back. Yeah. Um, You're experiencing yes. the greatest thing in the universe, the risen yeah. Lord. And that's a hard thing to, to kind of wrap your head around. But same way, George Mueller was sharing, he's satisfied with the Lord. And so that's encouraging that... It doesn't just have to be this this heavy, like yeah, it's for my good. I guess I'll see it in glory. But like, no, the Lord is using it. Be be be, not necessarily be happy, but be satisfied. Yeah. Amen. Um. So we we see this this pattern of the Lord using difficult things. We see this with with Joseph, uh, Job, and even with Jesus. He's he's using hard things, evil things, in many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So um, with that, before we hop into that, we're going to look at these characters that are in Scripture. But one of the great ways to understand all this Mm. is by being in in Scripture. scripture. Rick. You know what? If you need to be in Scripture, and you do, um, let me tell you which Scripture scripture. you need to be in. (laughs) B-E in Scripture. (laughs) Ra, ra. No, we just want to take a moment and talk about the standard Christian Bible. Um, The standard Christian? Yeah, it's a standard for all. It's a standard for all Christians. It's a Christian standard Bible. Um, there you go. Our, our sponsor's so, not going to be happy with us if you get their name right. We're actually starting a new uh, Bible <laughs> company called the, the Standard Christian Bible. No, the Christian Standard Bible. We call it the CSB. I don't know how many weeks we've been talking about this, um, but the Christian Standard Bible is a beautiful uh, gift. We we love it. We love the ESV. Rob is. Almost done the little KJV guy. Stop. Um, you know how those Baptists start. Stop. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, but we love the, the CSB. Um, they have this thing called optimal equivalence. We talk about this all the time, where it's the, like this perfect, not perfect, but this um, great unity of readability and yet um, faithfulness to the text, right? Yeah. So they're trying to interpret as much word for word as they can while still making it as readable as they can. Yeah. This is the version I use, I preach from. This is the version I study from. Um, I use other versions as well, but especially with like new believers, um, I just it's easier to read. It's yeah. in more of our language. So we appreciate that. So head on over to Instagram and follow the Christian Standard Bible. Give them a like and a follow and whatever you guys do it. Whatever there. you do on that platform. Whatever you do there on that gram. <laughs> yeah. I Got actually it. gave a copy of the, of the CSB to... Um, the lady who owns my favorite breakfast joint here in Westerville. She's moving to San Diego. And so we wrote a little note, Wait, signed it. and Are they, are they shutting in the, is this, is this, um, the pancake house? What's going to happen? So, that, I mean, it's still moving forward. I think her son's managing it or somebody's okay. managing it. But she moved out to San Diego. Good for, Good her. for her. Pam. Pam. Dude, Pam. She's we know you're a listener. Amazing woman. Um, 
if you want to come back and make some pancakes, you're welcome to. But yeah. no, head on over to Instagram and follow the Christian Standard Bible. Yes. So with that, we're going to talk about some characters. We're going to talk in, about some characters that you in find the Bible. in <laughs> the Christian Standard Bible. You'll or, find them in other Bibles, too. Or any Bible, <laughs> yeah. but they're bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay. Joseph, uh, Job, and Jesus. Is, yeah. Is, All three is, start with Jack. pattern of the Lord using uh, good things, the Lord using evil. For his purposes. Exactly. And there and there's other instances. These aren't the only three in scripture, but we have limited amount of time on a podcast episode. So we're just going to throw out three. And so Joseph, we see Genesis, and this, the story of Joseph starts in Genesis 37. And he is um, the, the son of um, Jacob. I almost said Isaac. Jacob. <laughs> I almost said some like country music reference. <laughs> <laughs> what would the country music be? <laughs> I, just, I think there's like a Craig Morgan song about like he's the son of something, something. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> totally pointless. Nobody likes country, so. Um, Jacob. Actually, it's like one of the fastest Stop it. genres. Doesn't which need is, to be. Well, here. Uh, okay. Wait. Here since we we're here. Here. Since we're here. Talking about take <laughs> your horse music, down that old dirt road, whatever it is. Yeah, dude. Country music in the last like 10 years has just taken a dump. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like this bro country, hip hop country. I mean, they've taken everything like. Put it all in a blender, and you know, hit blend, and then they, you get it out. And you're like, yeah, this tastes like crap. I, I wonder why. Like you put everything in a blender. Yeah, I'm telling you, people are loving it though. Well, that's just a sign of the time. This is <laughs> the Lord's coming soon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, okay. so we pick up with Joseph in Genesis yep, he's 37. The son of Jacob, mm-hmm. um, and Jacob obviously had two two wives, Rachel and Leah, and he loved Rachel more. Rachel had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And so he you loves. You do the math and you find the square root. Tells you, <laughs> yeah. Joseph and Benjamin. He loves more because they were the sons of his his favorite wife, Rachel. So Joseph, I mean, Jacob makes it pretty clear he loves Joseph more than his other ten ten brothers, um, or eleven, but like the the ten from Leah. And so what he does is he makes him this robe, and it's a story of robe of many colors. Mm-hmm. And then Joe or Joseph doesn't help himself. He then tells his brothers like. <laughs> Hey guys, I had this dream you wouldn't believe, but you guys were worshiping me. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, as he's wearing his robe of many colors. Right, and so they they don't like him. Um, in fact, they hate him, and even so much to the point where they can't even say anything nice about him. And he he comes to them again with another dream. Same thing, guys. You were you were bowing down to me. Which I'll say, okay, people rag on Joseph for this, and again, like, yeah, probably not a good idea. But like. The Lord has given the man prophecy. He has. So he's going to share it because yeah. the Lord's going to use that later in the story. Exactly. So his brothers hated him. So they eventually, they were going to kill him, but they decided, ah, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's just, let's just sell him into slavery. Yeah. So he gets sold into slavery. He starts working for this man called Potiphar um, and his Potiphar's wife. I mean, Joseph's being very successful. Everything at Potiphar's household's going well, but his, Potiphar's wife is really into Joseph. And she makes some moves on him. Mm. He denies her. She screams. Do we said, know her name? I couldn't. I didn't look very hard, but I didn't. <laughs> I looked at. I like you. You're like, ah, that didn't look really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did look. Um, but I, I just saw Potiphar's wife. And I was like, ah, yeah. that's good enough. <laughs> so Potiphar's wife. We're um, not sexist in 2020, but they totally were back then. So <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So uh, she, she claims that Joseph tried to rape her. And Joseph gets sent to prison. So not only do his brothers hate him, not only did he get sold into slavery, but then he gets sent into prison because he's accused falsely of rape. 
And then when he's in prison, he interprets a cupbearer's dreams and a baker's dreams. Both of them come true. But what he says is like, hey, when you get out, please remember me. Right. Like I could simple. I would love to get out of prison. Like I'm yeah. I'm just trying to comfort you here. Like when you get out, please don't forget me. And so um they get out, one dies because that's what the, the dream was. I think it was the baker who died. Mm-hmm. The cupbearer um is restored to his position and he totally forgets about Joseph. <laughs> totally forgot about him. Until Which, my question is like how much time like lapsed in that? I think I, years. I, well, I, well, I just recently read it. I think it was years. Well, it was years until he remembered. Yeah. But not a whole lot of time, I think, lapsed from when he interpreted the dream until when he was restored. Yeah, I think it was just a few days. So, like, what? How much did you forget? How did you forget, like, this was the guy who... Great question. That cupbearer's a dirtbag. That's what he is. Um, well, he... He, he, I mean, he makes up end. for it. He's a dirtbag in the moment. Just <laughs> let me have that. And then Pharaoh has, has a dream, and he can't interpret it. Nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer's like, light bulb? There was a guy oh. in prison I was supposed to remember. <laughs> He's going to be so happy with me. I remembered him years later. 100% accurate. Yeah. And so he he ends up uh, saying, this guy in prison, Joseph, he may be able to interpret. Joseph gets, he interprets it correctly. It's about a famine. And then Pharaoh puts Joseph, because everything Joseph does is successful, and he puts Joseph as essentially the VP of Egypt, only behind Pharaoh. Joseph has control over everything. He's And so what he's doing is he's he's building up their... Uh, their storehouses, so to speak, of grain and, and food to prepare for this this um, famine. Mm-hmm. And what happens is at the end of Genesis, when Joseph um, is, his brothers came to Egypt looking for food, they um, start to ask Joseph, they don't realize it's Joseph, um, they start to ask him for food and Joseph recognizes the brothers, mm-hmm. but it's been so long, they don't recognize him. Right. And so... He go, he has this little back and forth, act, like acting like he's not doesn't know what's going on, and but he eventually reveals himself. Right. And his brothers are, I mean, they just feel they feel terrible. I mean, rightfully so. And they're so. very afraid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because like the guy they try to kill and then sold into slavery is now the VP of the most powerful country. In and the they're region. coming for food. They know that they're if something mm. doesn't happen. They're going to die. So either Joseph may just kill them because he's a man of great power now. Yes. Or he just may refuse to give them food. But here's what Joseph says. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? So he recognizes like, I, I'm not going to place judgment on your life. I'm not in the place of God. But he says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. Joseph, all of this evil, all of this suffering in his life is to bring about a greater good to save thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of people. And ultimately it continues on the line of Jacob so that we know ultimately comes to Christ. And so Joseph, all the suffering ends up mm-hmm. bringing about a greater good with salvation of many people. And so we also talk about Job. Right. Job, and I'll be quicker through this one. Job, in Job 1, Satan goes to God, says, hey, like, this guy, he wouldn't serve you if you took away his stuff. And God's like, oh, I bet he would. So right. go ahead. Like, go for do it. whatever you want. Just don't touch the man himself. And so Satan afflicts Job by taking away his wealth, taking away his children. And then in Job 2, he takes away his health. Mm-hmm. And 
Job's friends, they berate him saying, you've done wicked, like you need to repent. And then at the end, we see that not only did Job not sin in all of his suffering, Mm -hmm. and you would think that he did with how kind of forward he was with God Mm -hmm. and how frustrated he clearly was. Um, God says he didn't, he didn't sin, um, but his friends did. And then God doubles his wealth. So you, at the beginning of Job, you can see how many sheep, how many goats, how many, all, all of his livestock, which right. livestock is wealth in an mm-hmm. agrarian society. You then look in Genesis, or Genesis, Job, I think it's 42, I think, I don't know. But it's at the end where it says mm-hmm. how much he has, and it's double. And Job had seven sons, three daughters at the beginning. He loses all of them. Mm. And then at the end, it, God says that Job had seven more sons and three more daughters. And so Job went from having expendable wealth to losing it all and then having double the expendable wealth. And he goes from having 10 children. And then at the end of this, he has a total, even though he's lost 10 of them, but he has a total of 20 children. And so God has given him greater than what he had previously. And we see that God granted him long life, mm-hmm. 140 years, which Genesis right. 6, 3 is when God's like, all right, no more are people going to be living for hundreds and hundreds of years. Their right. days are going to be 120 years. Yes. And we see now all the way back here in Job, God allowed Job to have long life, 140 yeah. years. And, well, and I think we can look at this and say, okay, if you lose your job, you lose your child, your spouse, like that doesn't mean, hey, God's going to give you double and, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it is a picture of what he will give you in eternity. So yes. he, he does. He restores all of the all those physical elements. I mean, and they're kind of worthless, which is the point. All the relationships, all like everything is restored in Christ. And that's yeah. the story uh, of Job. Yeah, that's a good word. And, and that doesn't even mean that just because he had 10 more children doesn't mean that like all of a sudden the pain of losing his other 10 children doesn't exist. But the point of the story is that all of these things can be restored in Christ. All of these yes. things and more. It, it, yeah, I, I can, Amen. you can dig deeper there, but um, then the last one, Jesus. Yeah. This one we can be brief on because this is the most explicit. It's not as important, apparently. It's the most Let's important. Just skim over it here. Uh, Jesus was a guy. He suffered, yada, yeah. yada. He died. Okay, the end. Yeah, exactly. Jesus being perfect. He's the last person ever in humanity, yeah. ever in the existence of the world to deserve suffering. And yet he took on the suffering of his people. He took on the, the penalty that they would have to endure. Yeah. And he. He experienced it. He suffered. He experienced pain to bring about a greater good, the salvation of his people. Mm. He is not, he is not one who ever should have tasted any kind of penalty. We are. He lived the life that we should have lived. Mm. That's right. And then he died the death that we should have died. Right. He stood in our place. He stands in our place in our death and he stands in our place in our life because he was resurrected after his death. But Jesus being the ultimate one who should not have had to experience suffering, God used that suffering. He used that evil in the world yes. to bring about the ultimate greatest good. God uses evil in the world mm-hmm. to bring about a greater good. In the garden, we see Adam and Eve. We see them naked and unashamed. There's no sin. Mm-hmm. 
even then, God knew that he was going to bring about a greater display of his salvation, of his care, of his mercy, of his grace, of his justice. All of these things are going to be displayed in greater forms mm-hmm. through the evil that Adam and Eve were going to commit by rebelling against him. And so we yeah. go from naked and unashamed in the garden to an eternity clothed in righteousness. Amen. As we've walked through these things, we've pointed to a lot of theological truths. We pointed to scripture. We pointed to, to, to reason and logic. Um, and it does, I think it's a, a good, solid biblical argument for the existence of evil and this problem of evil. That Those things alone will never satisfy you. There will always be this like, ah, but I just wish it wasn't. Yeah. And that's good. Like, that should be there. There should be a, a holy discontent. Like, yeah, but I just, it's hard because evil is evil. Yeah. It's not of God. And as those who are of God, like, we should hate it, we should flee it, and we should be um, uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And so don't think, okay, well, I've, once I've studied all this, then now I'm fine with evil, like, not doing it, but I understand it. It's yeah, I'm cool, fine with it in the world. Yeah. No, there should still be some some frustration there, but now you have some answers. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately, we, there's mystery, and we trust the Lord for that. Yeah. But we trust that He is doing all things ultimately for His glory. Yeah. And then by grace, He also involves us in that and, and uh, redeems us. Yeah. And there'll his... be there'll be resources, books, stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Um, we'd encourage you to go look at as well. Yeah. I mean, like you said, He He does all of this first and foremost for his glory, and then for the good of his people. Yeah. And even though we've gone through um, some like philosophical responses, um, some scriptural evidence, something that can bring comfort is that even though we know that God uses all things for the good of his people and to bring him glory, even though we recognize that he is sovereign over all things, even though it's difficult sometimes to see what he may be doing, Mm Mm-hmm. What we can know for certain is that even though evil is in the world, and we may not know exactly why he's using this particular evil, what we can know is that it's not there because God doesn't care. That's right. Yeah. If God didn't care, if he's just allowing this to happen, then he would not have taken it on himself. Right. He, he condescended down to humanity to live the life of a poor carpenter who was ridiculed, spit on, beaten, berated, and ultimately hung on a cross and murdered. If he didn't care about evil, then he would have no business coming down to earth right. to take on the penalty for evil. And deal with it, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he hates evil. That's why there is a penalty for it. That's a great point. And he took that penalty on for all of those who would embrace him as yeah. the Lord and as their savior. Yeah, that's a great point. Because it can it can feel like okay, he's separate. Like it's for him, it's this ethereal thing. No, like he he feels the weight of it. Like he, God the Father, crushed his son. God the Son yeah. because of it. Yeah. So uh, because of love, I mean, his glory, his love for us. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, there's there's more stuff um, in the show notes, some essays, some articles, things that could help you uh, walk through these things. Um, as always, we love to hear from you guys. We'd love for you guys to head over to our website, simpletheology.org, where you can check out some more content. You can connect with us. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, we're at Simple Theology Pod. 
Um, you can check out just the plethora of pictures we post every day of everything we do <laughs> in our life. Um, you can also head over to facebook.com slash simple theology and connect there. We're on the, also, uh, if you're not on Instagram or Facebook, but maybe you're on Twitter, we don't have a Twitter account, but if you go to hashtag simple theology pod, you can, you can find some content there. You can also find content with that hashtag on Instagram and Facebook. As always, email us at info at simpletheology.org. And if you want to be brave, leave us a voicemail. Unless you give us permission, we will not play it on the air. Um, but that number is 614-233-1098. 614-233-1098. Love to hear from you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Peace.